everyone. Thank you for joining us uh, today. We are on a new platform. Um, and so thank you for joining us in the back porch. So as you may know, over the past 36 years, uh, many of our employees and colleagues, friends, clients have enjoyed time on the front porch with TA to talk about anything from the event industry to recipes and often heart to hearts as well. Um, but one thing that you can always expect from TA is that he's a straight shooter and he's going to tell you what he thinks. Um, so we created this series with that in mind now that we all have to meet virtually so that we can bring those conversations to a bigger audience. So um, here we are. We're here to answer some questions. Um, just to give you a heads up on where you're seeing us now, you can uh, scroll down just a little bit. There's a Q&A section. We're going to get to those at the end of the program, but go ahead and give us your questions now. And then we have a chat just to the right where you're seeing us now. Uh, so we want to hear from you. Tell us what you think and give us those questions. Well, thank you, Rachel. As you said, we're doing this a little differently. We've been on Facebook uh, here to date, but today we're hosting this in our offered virtual event space. Um, this is a new service that's being offered to our clients very soon, and it's full, a part of a full spectrum of virtual uh, platform options. Uh, most importantly, it was developed by Offered with our clients and their special needs in mind, and we're excited to be using this platform today and hope you will share your thoughts with us on it. So uh, this is our somewhat our first outing we did with employees uh, a week ago, so this is the first time out in the public, and we're looking forward to seeing how it works for y'all and getting y'all's opinion on how that uh, is going. Yep, absolutely. Reiterate, we want those questions. Again, it's just below where you're seeing us now. Just scroll down, um, answer, uh, give us his questions, and use the fat chat feature. We want to hear from everyone. And today's topic, we're going to talk about events in 2020, but also the focus is events in the future, or what we think events are going to look like in 2021 and beyond. Yes, and we'll be having some special guests today that'll be joining us to give us some of their insights and how they think those events will changing and have changed. Uh, so, uh, but first, we're going to do a poll. Oh yes, we have a poll. Yeah, I think so. Unless I jumped the gun on that, I think we're doing the poll because we've got the poll live here. So again, scroll down for where you can see us. Um, and our poll question today is: When do you see large-scale events coming back? So you can go ahead and vote right now. But Tom will ask you, when do you think large-scale events are coming back? Well, so far I've been wrong almost every time I've guessed. But um, with the vaccines coming on and everybody I speak, I'm speaking to wanting to get back together uh, live, I really think it's going to fall in that three to six months uh, uh, window before they're back heavily. Um, and some of the large, large events may, I think, will be out in six to nine. But I think we'll see live events back at the end of first quarter with uh, just a little bit of luck, is what I'm thinking. Excellent, excellent. Um, it looks like maybe the majority slightly disagrees with you there. Um, so it looks like the most people think six to nine months, almost half of our respondents uh, think, oh no, oh no. <laughs> and then we've got a contingent that think nine to 12 months, that's scary. Yes, I really uh, pray that it won't be nine to 12, and I, I don't think it will be. Uh, just because, uh, like I said, everybody I speak to from my, my old farmer neighbor that just says he wants to go out and visit people to people in the industry that want to get back together. And uh, there is some uh, light at the end of the tunnel that I hope is not a train this time. So <laughs> whoever thinks it's more than a year, man, I really hope you're wrong because that's depressing. Uh, but we, we shall all just have to wait together and see. 
Absolutely. All right, so now let's get to our first guest. So our first guest today is uh, Tyler Main. He's the founder and CEO of Evolve Media. Uh, Evolve is one of our primary uh, suppliers for cross-rented gear. They also do a great job of training, something Alford's always taken very seriously, and uh, Tyler's group has some of the best training in the industry. Uh, they do uh, production services, staging uh, solutions, training, all those types of things. Uh, he's a great guy. I've had the opportunity to travel with him to some shows and just a wonderful person to ask questions of. So, uh, and he's a family man. So, Tyler, you're there with us. Hey, Tom, what's going on? Oh, same O. We're, we're doing things remotely and not together. So, well, and I, I, hear there, I hear there's a little bit of drinking sometimes that happens on the back porch. So, I just wanted to say I've got my, uh, my 2020 uh, assistant here. There is. Doers, so, uh, salute. We have a drinking question later. Uh, okay. All right. So uh, my first question for you, though, is, uh, you know, what's changed for you and Evolve over these last nine months, and how have you all dealt with it? Well, I mean, it's been difficult uh, for all of us in this, the industry, especially on the dry hire side, because we support companies like Alfred Media and others, uh, and we really count on you guys being at capacity or over capacity. Uh, for us to really spring into action and be in a position to to assist when you're running low on gear and equipment and you know around march 15th um was when the was really when the uh, the bottom fell out and i remember I, I made some phone calls to some industry friends of mine and it was i did the same group of guys the first week of march the second week of march and the third week of march and it went from, well, we had a show cancel, but we were pretty confident to the next week, 50% to the next week, every single show has canceled. Um, and we were there for a number of months, meaning our clients were, and many of you have, have shifted to uh, virtual production studios. And uh, that's not really an avenue that we can assist because that's not the business that we're in. So we've had to completely rethink the way that we do business and adapt because for those of us in the dry hire side, if this is going on for another year, um, we just have to be honest with ourselves and say that the, the landscape is going gonna, is gonna to really be thin. Um, there's going to be a lot of less technicians out there in the field. Uh, I know many of them that, that have jobs in other careers, and I think that uh, I do believe strongly with uh, vaccines coming back or vaccines being announced that my prediction is quarter two will be a good quarter, and then going into the summer, fall, and beyond – uh, the event side will, will I, I think, come roaring back. Um, but we're going to need a lot of horsepower to get back in the action. And everybody's kind of been on hiatus for a while. So um, what we kind of look at is, is how we're going to support that, um, which is going to be interesting. But also what, what I think is going to happen, too, is, is our industry is going to have a reckoning that I think was going to happen over the next five to 10 years, which is, you know, I've been doing this now for 23 years, and from when I started in the early 90s to now, uh, your basic corporate show follows the same theme. They essentially look the same, except the technology, of course, has evolved uh, quite a bit. Um, but what, what you see in other industries like theaters and um, arenas is, you know, some of these arenas that opened in Vegas and L.A. are, are three, three and a half billion dollar arenas. Uh, when you go to a movie theater, a movie theater is more of an experience. It's uh, you're sitting in a comfortable leather uh, recliner. You can order a beer. You can order good food. Those industries had to adapt because they knew that the climate was going to change, or it was changing. But now it's completely stopped. So how do those industries get in the swing of things again? I think they can, but I think what the live events industry has to understand is that a change was going to come no matter what because millennials 
are becoming more prevalent in the workforce. And behind them are Gen, I think it's Gen Z. Gen Z is, you know, like my, my seven-year-old child is Gen Z. And uh, he was born with an iPad. And we can't think that these kids are going to sit through a PowerPoint presentation for three hours and then go to a breakout session and go to a convention. They might, but what we're going to have to do is change and adapt. So what I think is really interesting coming out of this is I think our industry is going to come back full steam ahead, but it's never going to be the same. But I think that's a good thing um, because I've really witnessed a, witnessed a change. I mean, I'm sitting here right now at a Top Golf, um, talking <laughs> to you guys on a Zoom meeting. And after this, I'm going to go play some golf with my son. Um, I've spent a lot of time out of the office, but I've been super productive because I use Zoom all day. Um, so what does that look like when, when things are quote unquote back to normal? Are people less apt to travel? Uh, what does the climate look like? And I think the saying goes, uh, everything changes, everything stays the same. We don't know exactly what the outcome is going to be, but we know that the world is going to be different for all of us in this industry coming out of it. And I think we can all agree that we've never been tested the way that we have over the last nine months. So I think next year is going to be really interesting. Uh, I'm very bullish on it. And I think like it, most people, I'm ready to get through that tunnel and um, see where things lead. Couldn't agree more. And, you know, I've been in the business 40 years myself or coming on 40 this next year. And, uh, one thing we could always count on was change, but this is going to be quicker uh, than almost ever for sure. Uh, I know you're also, uh, uh, like a lot of us, a gear geek and always looking for new things and technologies. Uh, during the time down, have you seen any new emerging technologies that you think will play a, a bigger role as we come back or we should all be looking at? So there's, there's, there's two things that I've seen that have really blown my mind. And, uh, and one of them is if, if there's going to be a, there's going to be a huge opportunity for, for everybody in the virtual production realm. So if you think, uh, you know, everybody's talking about XR stages right now, uh, but really this all started with Mandalorian a couple of years ago, Mandalorian was shot on an led stage. And, uh, again, this was something that was going to happen over the next five or six years because the convenience of shooting with led media servers and, uh, products like unreal engine makes the production, um, uh, the film and television production, uh, it's gonna revolutionize it. And uh, I was actually in Atlanta last week on, they call these things a volume, on a volume stage. And one of the things that I was really excited about when I left the stage is it looked exactly like a corporate show. There was a large LED wall, there were LED techs on the show, there were disguise operators, there were Unreal Engine operators, there was someone calling the production. And what I thought to myself is like, okay, if, if live events come back slowly, then there's a, there's a transition point for a lot of technicians and a lot of companies to move into this field because I've been spending the last six months totally immersed in this market. And it's going to be a massive opportunity when things start because the companies that are making the most money right now are Netflix, Amazon, Google, Apple, et cetera. And all of their content is being drained. So as soon as they can shoot again, this virtual production realm is going to explode. So we want to be at the forefront of that and we want to help retrain our customers to, to pivot into that uh, world. And we also wanna help technicians to pivot that. So we actually announced a very large capital raise that we did uh, last week to start this whole immersive brand that's gonna be totally focusing on that. So point A is I find that, um, look, if anybody's watching Google making a Mandalorian on, on YouTube, it's incredible. It's, it's exactly what we do. It's, it's their world merging with ours. The other thing that's really interesting too is you know, I was in LA a few weeks ago and I was on an XR stage site and there was a grand MA controller there and the lights were being focused and everything was moving around. And I asked the client, I said, well, where's the LD? And he goes, oh, we're, he's controlling the show from his house. 
And another thing that I see a lot on LinkedIn is I see these freelancers that have these really incredible setups and they're, they're doing Zoom, they're managing Zoom meetings and they're managing shows and they're doing it remotely. And I think what we're realizing is a lot of the technology that we use, like analog consoles and lighting controllers, all those really are computers with a, with a, a touch surface on it. So I think what's really interesting is moving production forward. Could a camera operator in the near future work from his or her home operate an Alfred media show going on in Dallas. And then in the afternoon, they're, they're operating another show for another customer that's happening in LA and they never have to leave their house. That's, that's, that reality is happening now, but again, it's only being, that timeline is only being shrunken by the, the situation that we're in. But what's interesting is all this technology is available now. Zoom 10 years ago, whatever version that was, would have cost a million dollars to do what we're doing now. Now it's free and it works perfectly. So, um, it's interesting, and I think that it's probably the worst time for our industry, but it's also, I think, the best time to innovate and retool and move on into what's going to be a very different, but I think very um, fantastic future. Well, thank you. I couldn't agree more. You know, out of any trouble comes opportunity, and uh, we just have to be smart enough to figure out how to uh, take advantage of it. Uh, I know during this downtime, we've done a lot of work with Unreal Engine and things like that because we've had the time and want to be prepared when we come back. Be, you know, even better. Well, you actually answered two of my other questions uh, while you were talking there, so I'll skip them and I'll go to the last one, which is, what's your opinion? You kind of gave it, but what do you think uh, when live events will be back? You've kind of told us how you think they'll be different. Well, I, I, like you, I've been wrong many times. I remember in March, I think we were all saying to ourselves, hey, I think by summertime there'll be some shows and by fall we'll just be kicking butt again. Well, that didn't really happen. So I think... Um, you know, what we have to understand, what the good news is, is our economy has done pretty well, especially for the Fortune 500s at com companies like Alfred uh, and, and others service. So I think the, the underlying economy is, is, is strong. Uh, there are vaccines coming that are going to start flowing out before the end of the year. And the other thing that's, that we've seen too, especially in this country, is there's been an adoption or there's been a, people have, have adapted to the COVID virus. So uh, one sad habit that I have um, that I do on a weekly basis is I'll pick a couple hotels in Orlando and I will sadly walk the hallways and just see if anybody's loading in. And over the last few weeks, I've seen shows loading in. I saw a pretty decent sized one loading in the other day. And um, what they look like is you don't see 2000 chairs crammed into a ballroom. You see maybe 500 spaced out. And then the rest of the meeting is, uh, is, is, is live streamed. So I think if we can adapt and we can do kind of these hybrid meetings, then that allows us to engage with a real audience, but then bring people in from all over the world. And I think that is here to stay. So I think shows are, are going to move forward with that from now on. And to, I guess to answer your question, I feel like in quarter two of next year, uh, we'll all be feeling very confident about the state of our industry uh, going into summer and fall. I think we're back to quote unquote business as usual, but again, we need, to, we need to, as an industry, learn from this, adapt, and really start to innovate. I feel like innovation in, in live events has stagnated for a while. And we, we can really use some of these tools that we've been learning in this year-long summer project to really innovate and, and be more efficient with the way that uh, we service and support our live event customers. Well, I couldn't agree with you more. Well, thank you um, so much uh, for giving us some time and being with us. And I look forward you, to Tom. Having that drink in person very, very, very soon. Didn't mind in a paper cup Bring today. some cigars <laughs> over as well. Absolutely. So Thank you, guys. Thank you, Tyler. Had a good time with the kids. Well, uh, as always, Tyler had a lot of uh, 
good input, and I'll be honest, there's really nothing I uh, uh, disagree with. Um, I didn't even know what XR uh, and VR, I knew what VR was, but XR until a few months ago. And uh, we had done some uh, LED stages uh, for some shoots, which is not offered as normal, but we had yeah. done some for some commercial work and what have you. We'll do anything for a buck before COVID, and I, I do agree that will definitely be a, a trend. And um, I know for us, uh, the hybrid uh, work has been really our only larger shows uh, since this has started. Uh, we're already seeing some bring some audience together uh, live, but much smaller than we did, but then going out to thousands. Right. Agreed. Agreed. And for me, uh, his biggest, the biggest takeaway I have is what he, when he was talking about the loss of talent. Uh, I do think that people are going to find a way, like he was saying in uh, television and film production. Um, I think that that is going to be one of our struggles, um, and that speaks to be more my position here at Alford. But I think that that that's going to be a big deal as people move to other industries, and when it, when live events come back with a bang, we're we're going to struggle to fill those positions. I think. And. Um for all of you freelancers out there listening, um, we still plan on being the best place and the best company to work for. So when we uh, get busy, and we will uh, take our calls and uh, we'll get back to work. Uh, by the way, for those of you who don't know, Rachel has to book everybody uh, for Alford Media. And uh, we, we have actually encouraged people to take other jobs during this time because we don't expect anybody to sit and not work for a year. Um, but we realize very much that's a, a two-edged sword. So... Um, that was great. Our next uh, person up is one of our clients, uh, Brian Rivers. He is the CEO of Centrifuge Media. Uh, he founded the company back in 2005, and uh, Centrifuge is, uh, like I said, a client of ours. They're a global strategic event communications uh, agency, and they specialize in life sciences and pharma. Uh, I think most of the shows uh, we've done with Brian have been definitely in the pharma uh, area. Um, they, uh, as a company, they uh, support the MeFind Foundation Gala, which raises money to support children uh, who are experiencing medical crisis. And uh, that, that type of thing, I think most of y'all know me a lot to offer. We have supported Make-A-Wish here for, I think we did 20-something years, all but one year since it was founded in, in North Texas. So we very much appreciate that work. So Brian's with us now. And welcome, Brian. Thanks for joining us. Thank you. Appreciate it, TA. I, I didn't realize the back porch had drinks on it, so I had to make a hustle and <laughs> grab something out of the back. So Tyler spoke so long, I'm afraid I drank half of it, so I'm going to try to make it through. Well, hey, uh, they tell me I get too funny when I drink too much, so I, I don't start until the middle of the show usually. Um, Fair enough. But uh, Brian's going to bring us some of, uh, you know, kind of the client side of this uh, mess we've all been in. And uh, as we said earlier, out of difficult times come opportunities. And so, you know, uh, Brian, what opportunities are you seeing through this? Yeah, I, uh, you know, I, I agree with a lot of uh, what Tyler was mentioning. I think there's a, there's a lot of space for innovation right now. And I think ultimately, you know, we've been learning to do things uh, a lot differently. Uh, you know, pivoting and adapting has become much more the norm for us. Uh, I think that, you know, um, when you look at the technologies that are out there, uh, I agree, there's, there's a lot of exciting technologies. Uh, I think things around NDI and live call and things like that are, are great. Uh, I also feel like, you know, it's, it's making us think a little bit differently than we have before. So hybrid meetings are uh, certainly something that um, has a different meaning to, to our clients as well. So, uh, you know, whether we're gonna be doing things in a live studio here and it's gonna be broadcasted out live or in different locations, 
Um, I, I think we're just having to rethink a little bit about how uh, we have done things and how we're going to do things in the future. Uh, I think it's exciting uh, to, to look at that part of it as uh, being a, a really cool, innovative spot for us to develop new skill sets. Um, certainly, I think people um, are utilizing, uh, you know, different platforms, different ways. I know for, uh, for Zoom uh, is a great example where, you know, we've been using Zoom a little bit differently uh, than we normally have. And I think it's interesting, too, a lot of the platforms, you know, we've become pretty agnostic once uh, everything, you know, sort of came to a hilt in March. And, you know, we've really learned to become agnostic on platforms and provide what's going to be best for our clients' needs. So uh, seeing them evolve, uh, Zoom is, is another primary uh, example of that. I think they're continually trying to evolve into the industry, um, service the needs of what we're trying to uh, adapt to in the environment, if you will, uh, as well as I think Cisco WebEx, um, you know, being a customer of theirs for a long time, um, I think that they're sort of, uh, they, they led it for quite a while. And now um, it's, they've got a, a pretty level playing field. So uh, for the most part, you know, I think there's a lot of room for innovation. Um, I think it's going to be very interesting when we go back to um, a, a hybrid perspective and then certainly the, the live events altogether. But uh, uh, I, I, I agree that um, it's, it's probably three to six months off. I think Q2 is a, is probably a good time frame. Uh, hopefully, uh, you know, God willing, that'd be the best time frame for us, uh, if not sooner. But uh, you know, all said and done, um, you know, I think it's making us all prepare um, for what uh, inevitably will be uh, hopefully a very robust live meeting set in the future. So uh, here at Alford, we've had some new clients uh, come in over this. People asking for new things that we hadn't dealt with in the past through either clients like yourself or you know coming to us directly. Have y'all experienced that? Some people coming in needing help that you just brand new to you hadn't met before yeah no absolutely it's a great question tom you know we we have um we've had what's been interesting is some clients that maybe we haven't worked with in a while uh you know that have just relied on us for uh different things throughout the years uh you know sort of calling up and saying look i've got this thing going on and i gotta make sure that i get all these folks in from different countries and how am i gonna get them on hand on camera together and uh you know i got a panel so you know we, we've had a lot of different clients call that we haven't worked with in a while um We've had a couple new, I'd say more folks that, uh, you know, maybe have left the company, gone to a new company, very common in, in uh, certainly in the life sciences industry. And, uh, you know, sort of bringing us along to a new company and saying, hey, look, I'm not quite sure what to do, but I know you guys can figure it out for us. So um, in that area, we've been, we've been lucky to sort of reconnect with some folks. Uh, hopefully it continues to last uh, when we go back to the live setting as well. So um, again, it's, it's, um, the virtual environment is very unique, uh, and certainly it's something that, you know, that's mostly what we've been doing, um, since COVID is, uh, you know, all 100% live events. Uh, we have done a couple, uh, we're, we were talking a little bit earlier, Tom, where, you know, we have had some broadcasted events, um, from another location, uh, out to other areas of the country. Uh, but most of what we've been doing has been hundred percent virtual, uh, in-house and, uh, again, thinking a little bit differently and out of the box, it's, uh, it's that part's very exciting. Uh, and we've certainly been able to, you know, hone in on some different talents and, um, you know, we're excited about that aspect, but, uh, again, live meetings are, uh, very much welcome when they come back into flourishing. So. Yeah. In, in person, live meetings, we're doing live now, meetings. but it's not the same, right. uh, for sure. Uh, I know, um, we were talking, as he said, talking earlier, you know, about just the, the, banner that goes on, you know, in between the meeting portions and when people are out in the hall and things like that uh, just makes such a difference. And uh, I think our clients, 
are looking forward to that. I know I'm looking forward to doing it with you, uh, where it's a, a drink we can talk about and uh, actually uh, taste together. Um, so is there anything in particular you're really looking forward to other than the obvious, which is live meetings, uh, in-person meetings coming back? Yeah, I, I mean, just the fact that I think that because we've had to think a little bit differently, I'm, 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 I'm very excited about, you know, what, what are we going to be able to do now that we've been able to be tested um, in different ways that we've never been tested before from a technological standpoint. Um, and I think that it's going to bring about some different types of innovation that um, will ultimately, you know, help service our clients a little bit better. Uh, and there are certainly their needs. So, you know, that, that part I think is very exciting. Um, you know, there's a lot of different things uh, around technology itself. Uh, you know, certainly Tyler hit a lot of different things that are, um, you know, exciting from a movie perspective and around Netflix. And when we do start generating more content, that'll be, uh, you know, extremely exciting. Um, but from the, the live meat setting, uh, I, you know, ultimately, uh, I think we're going to utilize different technologies, different onsite, yeah. uh, you know, and that's something that I'm probably the most excited about. And uh, I think we'll have a bigger outreach as well, uh, certainly for uh, clients that are, you know, across the sea, if you will. Um, we do a lot uh, international business during the year. Uh, typically, 40% of what we have done in the past in a year has been uh, roughly overseas. So, um, you know, people are, have not been able to make it. We certainly had better platforms for them to view um, and certainly to be much more engaging on as well. Um, so, yeah, you know, engagement is another big factor that, um, you know, I think, we'll be much uh, more proficient at in the future. Uh, certainly when we go back to live events as we've had to really kind of think outside the box um, from afar and try to make people connect uh, and you know, get that emotional connection. Um, you know, we, we really focus a lot on the, the return on uh, emotion and how that plays into uh, people's learning. Uh, and I think that that's something uh, I'm really looking forward to how we can um, utilize what we've done here in the virtual environment, how we can bring that into the live setting uh, connect people in different rooms uh, and, and things of that nature. So, um, you know, it's a little bit repetitive, but I think ultimately uh, it's exciting to see what we can do from what we've learned today, right? And I think the technology uh, is going to continually evolve. Uh, and um, I, I'll, I'll take a different stance than Tyler. I, I, I don't think that uh, we find, I'll say, in, at least in our, our vertical specifically in life sciences, uh, that people are going to probably look at this as more of a solution. I think this is kind of a Band-Aid, uh, you know, and I think that ultimately for their business and their model, I think it's really important for them to have those in-person meetings. Uh, it's certainly vital for uh, what they need to distribute from a content perspective uh, and as well as, you know, um, just the camaraderie. I mean, uh, from a Salesforce being on site together, uh, is super uh, important, obviously, as we all know. I mean, we'd love to have a drink together, Tom. We get a lot accomplished in a half hour. Uh, I think in person, we probably do over the phone. So, um, you know, I think that this has been, a, you know, an interesting trial period that we'll have some kind of a hybrid solution to events as we progress into the future. Uh, by no means do I, I personally think that it's going to be the solution um, and people are going to go away from live meetings. Uh, and I, I bet, Tom, that you probably feel the same as I do. Absolutely. Well, thank you so much uh, for being with us and always for your support. Uh, we wouldn't exist if it wasn't for clients uh, like Centrifuge and, and folks like you. So getting back where we're really doing live events with folks uh, like yourself, it means everything to us. So well, thank thanks you so, so much. much. For having me. I appreciate it. I'm psyched to be on the, the back porch, and uh, this has been the most exciting meeting I've done all year. <laughs> well, thank you. Thanks, Tom. Appreciate thanks, Brian. It. Take care. 
So, um, you know, when he talks about live events uh, coming back and not being replaced by Zoom or, or uh, you know, these platforms we're all working with, I think back to uh, my dad uh, and my grandfather, actually, but my father, you know, they all thought that when television really came out, and in particular color television, that movies would be gone. There was actually a small town near us that was known for its theater, and they closed it down and turned it into a country and western uh, store because movies were the thing of the past. They wouldn't exist. And obviously, that wasn't true, but they did have to adapt. They had to give a better service. You just couldn't go in on a hard old wooden seat, and people pay for it. And so I think we're going to have to do, as we always have, uh, a better job um, but, you know, Brian mentioned emotion. Mm-hmm. And yep. uh, mostly, usually when I get emotional on a Zoom meeting, it's a bad emotion uh, so far. <laughs> um, to get excited in front of a meeting or there's our own company meeting uh, that I'm attending or someone else's, it is something about being there live and seeing other people. Uh, and one of my smart-ass answers, by the way, on when will events be back, uh, my, my main answer has been when all the bars are open. Uh, <laughs> Because when you go to a meeting, I don't know about everybody else out there, but after the meeting's over, you go to the bar and you meet with people and you talk about what you just saw, what you heard. Did you believe it? Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, was it real? So that's kind of where we are. And I, I think Miss Rachel has another poll for us. Yeah, ab- yeah, definitely. Um, and for me, one of the things is like um, after a Zoom meeting, it's the meeting after the meeting. So you call who you're closest to on that meeting or maybe your boss and you have like the meeting after the meeting where like the real thing actually happens, not like the big group of people. So yeah, we jokingly, you know, call that the meeting after the meeting. All right, so we do have another poll. Um, So again, just right below where you're viewing us now, just scroll down a little bit. Um, So we wanna know how many of your new events are, how many of your events are with new clients? And we talked a little bit about new clients with us, people that we've never done business with or they need us in a different way. Yeah, we've had obviously a lot in a a different way. But we've had quite a few that called and said, somebody said you could help us with. And it's mainly been that with they needed something more than Zoom. They weren't getting enough engagement and and they needed some uh, more engagement uh, on a platform. It wasn't necessarily a new large live meeting uh, Mm -hmm. client, but we hope that some of those will turn into that. Uh, you know, once this is over, obviously. And, and they've been very successful. Yeah, for sure. And I think also something that we noticed was they needed more than a Zoom event, but not quite a, you know, $1,000 or a 1,000-person platform where they needed that in-between where kind of like our sweet spot is. And that's one of the reasons we created this um, virtual event space as yes, well. Event space, mm-hmm. absolutely. Mm-hmm. All right, so we do have some poll results um, it looks like most people um, say that their new business is less than 25%. I think that's to be a little bit to be expected, yep. but. I think 26 to 50%, 32% of the audience having some new clients in this terrible downtime is pretty impressive. And uh, 9 to 10% uh, of having more than, uh, you know, 50% to 75% saying new clients. I think that's, that's a lot because a lot of us, the hardest thing in the world is to find a new client. So. Uh, I think that says a lot, and now it's all up to us to keep those uh, clients. Well, now we have our third and final guest, and one I'm very excited to have on and and very proud that I get the opportunity to work for. Uh, It's Carrie uh, Freeman Parsons. She's the chair of the Freeman Companies. Uh, The Freeman was founded in 1927. We had our 90th uh, anniversary just a couple of years ago, which Alfred was very uh, proud to have a big hand in helping. 
Uh, she serves on lots of boards and leadership, uh, and um, she too uh, has a real heart for children. Uh, she uh, is very passionate in particular about Girls Inc. Metropolitan Dallas, and she's uh, I think currently chairman of the board for that group. And again, I think it's something everybody that's been with us so far has in common, that we use our work in the live events industry to help others, and uh, in particular to help children. So welcome, Carrie. Hi, Tom. So it's great to have you here. So our, my first question for you is kind of one we've had for everybody uh, in some way, but since you are in charge of such a large group, and I will say one that's, I think, done an excellent job, but how have you handled 2020 so far and what's been changing the most for you and for Freeman? Well, it's been pretty uh, brutal, I, I would say, um, honestly. Um, you know, I, I think in the spring when the events started canceling, it really felt like we were trying to catch a falling knife. You know, we just didn't know how much and how fast. And Freeman's biggest quarter is April to, to June, through the end of June. And so we were expecting to finish the fiscal year strongly. And, and so, you know, just to see literally, you know, billions of dollars worth of revenue evaporate um, in a very short amount of time was, was really hard. Um, and that having been said, you know, once we sort of took responsibility for what we could control, then um, we were able to, to make those plans and, and go forward and have been doing a lot of uh, really good work uh, during this. I, but I think Tyler called it the long summer project or something <laughs> like that. You know, we've been doing a lot of work uh, with our clients accordingly and um, doing some pivoting and cleaning house and um, you know, trying to get, make sure that we're really, really, really healthy when we come back. That's a that's a big uh, a big and challenging job. And uh, by the way, I just want to say, since I do work for you, uh, I think the job the company has done uh, could not have been done better. As you said, it's the changes for everybody came so fast. And when you're this big, uh, it is a lot to, a lot to grasp. And uh, I know just for Alford, which yeah. is a very small part, uh, something else. So that's kind of the downer of the year. But what are you most optimistic about as we look at great events in the future? Yeah, I think what I'm most optimistic about is, uh, and Tyler kind of referred to this in his comments about the rinse and repeat aspect of a lot of events. And um, a lot of the events that you're working on are very dynamic and very exciting. Uh, if you were to go to kind of a more typical trade show or a convention, I mean, a lot of them look very similar to what they've looked like for a really, really long time. Um, even general sessions, um, that type of thing, haven't necessarily been um, as dynamic as they could. And then in addition to that, there hasn't necessarily been as much attention to who is attending, who should attend, who should be there live, who shouldn't be there live, who should be connecting in the coffee area, you know, who, what, what speakers should people really be seeing, what companies should they really be engaging with. And we've been advocating that as a business for a long time, that we needed to do a better job of creating experiences for attendees and for marketers um, to make sure that it's worth getting on that plane and worth that experience and not just sort of the same um, rinse and repeat that they had maybe experienced the year prior. And so, but it's very, very hard to make those changes when the bus is careening down the road 100 miles an hour and so 
a lot of our clients were agreeing that that needed to be done, but maybe their events weren't that unhealthy yet, or they didn't feel like they had the resources or it just felt too overwhelming, or they didn't really know how to go about it. So what I'm optimistic about is that this is really providing an opportunity for clients to really think about what is going to be compelling for their communities and using data and experience design accordingly. And the benefit of these virtual events, for instance, is we you can see on the back end who was engaged, who was engaged, who, who paid attention, who got on email, who, who actually signed up and came versus who signed up and who didn't, who connected with other people. And that is exactly the notion of how do we do that in a live experience. So although I think events, it'll likely, events will likely maybe be smaller um, in the future, at least certainly for the for the coming years, I, I believe they'll be healthier. And I believe that uh, when you have a healthier event, there's more uh, to invest in those events. To, to continue to make them better and stronger. So although it's been tough to go through this reset, I think uh, a lot of really good uh, groundwork is being done that's going to set us up to be successful and our clients to be successful on the back end of it. I couldn't agree more. Uh, I think for all of us in this industry, I mean, this year, to say as brutal as being, like, really nice, um, but I will say one of the, the up things for me, I, I'm a very small part of a very large and healthy organization. And we're kind of, you know, sometimes I think the high-tech geeks over in the corner uh, are the guys that do, you know, just the big corporate gig. And I've got the opportunity to speak with more of my Freeman, other salespeople and stuff, this reset, this long summer project, than I think I have in the whole, the, all the years I've been here. And it's, it's been all, 10 years now, uh, been more than that. But anyway, um, a lot of people who, well, you know, weren't really interested in digital, perhaps, or really interested in some of the high tech, all suddenly are. And I know the Freeman Digital team has been crazy busy uh, trying to keep up. And I think that's going to make us all healthier. Uh, I, I agree wholeheartedly. Yeah, uh, I agree. So what's your, if you have one main focus for 2021, let's forget 2020. It's uh, <laughs> Please. Yeah. Not a lot we can do there. And as you mentioned earlier, Freeman really kind of starts in, Ju in June. Or July, June is the end of our year. So, you know, what do you really is our main focus or your main focus uh, for yourself coming up? I I would say there are several areas of main focus. One of the ones that so we've been doing a lot of reengineering in our business, and um, and this is more on the logistics side, the trade show side, where we've kind of going to a more asset light model, using our supply chain more effectively, um, figuring out how to serve markets without having so much overhead. I mean, what we've learned is we want to have less overhead so we can invest more in our people. And these are things that we have been talking about doing for a long time. Um, how do we use technology to make us more efficient and more effective? And how do we think about artificial intelligence? And how do we think about those things? And so We've been doing a whole lot of work on that during this downturn, but we're not there yet. We're not done yet. And so the question is, once the pressure is off, will we still continue to push through and actually make this sort of a consistent way of working where we're constantly re-engineering in a much more efficient and effective way so that we're 
taking advantage of new technological developments and new markets and new opportunities. And so I think that's sort of, we don't want to be in this panic mode and we're not panicked right now, but you know, we don't want to be in sort of this, just trying to keep the boulder pushing uphill um, until we get back to work. We don't, this isn't the steady state we want to be in, but once we get back to work, we also don't want to slip back into some of our old habits. And then the second thing that that leads to is talent. And the analogy I would give is it's like uh, your kid going off to college and while they're away, the family totally remodeling the house and turning their bedroom into an office and, you know, nothing is where it used to be and that type of thing and, and how kind of disconcerting that is. And, you know, we do have quite a, a lot of people who are out on furlough and we intend to bring those folks back and we want them to come back as soon as we can. But when they come back, it's going to feel very different. Um, to your point, you know, the sales teams who before didn't really need to get involved in digital and didn't need to get involved in all these. I mean, that's just, that's a core offering for all of our people now and, and how we work and how the model is laid out. It's just, it's going to be different. And how that feels when people come back and their ability to step back into their role and to be productive and to feel like they're standing on solid ground. Um, and then, you know, so a lot of those things are changing. What isn't changing, of course, are our values and our culture and that type of thing. So it should still hopefully feel the same as it relates to the culture, but how people work and their adaptability to how we're going to work in the future, it's just going to continue to perpetuate. Couldn't agree more. Um, you know, you're one of those people I know, like myself, that truly when, she, when Carrie says she really cares about the people and that's what makes the company run, she really means it. And uh, I know for myself with our small company, having to furlough people, how difficult it's been. And I know how difficult it's been for uh, Carrie because it is someone, it's not just a decision that's made lightly. And we're all got the same focus, which is getting people back to work. Right, and, no doubt. And even here at Alford, uh, Rachel is you know in charge of our personnel. And we're already looking at how we bring them back because we've renamed positions. We have people called things that I didn't even know what they were in March uh, because we had to adapt to a new world. Um, we have a new gear that are, has literally been renamed and new services. Our, our internet services have had to change. It was one of those things that, yeah, we'll do it on a show. We really didn't care when, at March. And we see it as being a core uh, piece of the business probably for a long time, maybe forever. And, uh, and I will tell you that uh, I can promise the group here we'll do everything we can to help uh, Greater Freeman keep changing and, um, and moving forward. So I just, I can't thank you enough uh, for being with us. I will finish with the last question. I already think I, you've answered it, but when do you think events will really be back for, for our group? So we're, we've been doing a lot of sentiment research and um, about every six weeks or so since all this started with organizers, attendees, marketers. And the good news is everybody says when it's time to come back, we're going to come um, when we were first doing these sentiment researches, uh, projects, every time we would, the last time we did it, um, it stuck. Uh, so, and that was really late summer into fall. And um, so late summer into fall is sort of the sentiment research. It's really what our funnel is showing. 
So I think that there will be live events before the summer, but they won't be large events. I think the larger events aren't going to happen, unfortunately, until probably, um, you know, into the fall. Um, and then those events will continue to, I, all events going forward are going to have a hybrid or digital component associated with it, which is, again, an, a growth opportunity for all of us. It's not going to be an either or. It's going to be a both and. So, you know, I wish it was going to be sooner. Um, then, and I, and I think we will see some work this summer. But I will tell you, our, the, as you mentioned, our fiscal year starts July 1. Our, our fiscal first quarter fiscal year, if, if it holds up, is going to be the biggest you know, first quarter that we've ever had because there's so much pent-up demand and so much businesses moved into the summer and into the fall. So um, you know, hopefully if the vaccines stick and if people feel comfortable uh, gathering in large um, groups, you know, that, that'll hold and we'll get back to uh, business in a big way. Um, with incremental uh, work happening between now and then. Well, I hope that's true, and I think it is. So thank you so much for joining us. I know you're very busy. My uh, pleasure. I wish all of our panelists and everybody a great uh, Thanksgiving. So we'll uh, see you soon, I hope. Thank you, Carrie. Thank you. So um, uh, one of the things Carrie was, uh, you know, talking about the timing one of the advantages Freeman uh, does have is they do have a, a one of the largest groups of people out there, with, especially when it comes to associations and trade shows. And um, uh, the good news is they actually have these very large, uh, it's my wording now, but uh, surveys that they send out. And the one thing that has been consistent, and it's even my many surveys, is that people really do want to get back together. They want to be face-to-face -face again. Uh, and so I think uh, that as soon as that it, people do feel safe and uh, they do feel they can go out, uh, I think we all may be uh, struggling to keep up. And I really uh, mean that and hope that. Uh, but the timing is what's we've all got to feel safe. And uh, that's going to be a little bit different for each person. So uh, do we have any Q&A we need to get to? or Yes, yes, we do. Okay, so our first question uh, from an anonymous person. Um, TA, you talk to the people that control the budgets. How are they feeling? <laughs> well, uh, scared. <laughs> uh, I'm going to be honest. Uh, you know, uh, budgets are really tough. Uh, there's two different things. One is the budgets within, you know, like Alford, our budget, and obviously, we're not out buying a lot of new gear or hiring people right now. So from that standpoint, scared. Uh, on the other side, uh, we have some shows coming up and ones that have been postponed. And uh, I think Tyler or, or maybe Brian mentioned, you know, that the Fortune 500 is pretty healthy. We, we have quite a few clients that are really talking about real budgets for shows. It's just a matter of timing. And one of the things that's given me calls for hope with those budgets is they keep using the word postponed, not canceled. Uh, a lot of our, our larger events. Um, and we'll, we actually will do our first trade show slash event in February uh, that postponed out of January, and they say it will go on, and it is a uh, it is a trade show that has a component that Alford does. So I think that speaks very well. But budgets are scary right now because we're all in a wait and see. And we've done this before. Uh, you know, 2008, 2009 was not a great time to be out spending a lot of money, uh, you know, right after 9-11. But it wasn't like this. We had we knew more of when it was, from historically speaking, when it would be over, and we weren't waiting on uh, science, so to speak, to get us back to work. So 
budgets are scary, but they're still out there. We have a lot of support uh, and uh, companies uh, like Evolve and, and, uh, and Brian and his group, uh, they've kept people together uh, and a lot of our clients have. And so that, that's a good part of the budget. Yeah, excellent. All right, um, our second question, again, from Anonymous. Um, are there any plans to have a better communication system between a virtual producer and the host IFB? Boy, technical questions for Tom. Yeah. Uh, this I will say right off the bat, not my forte. Uh, I will say they've improved dramatically since we uh, started this, and it's one of those, if Anonymous wants to send an email, I'll get somebody to answer really well. <laughs> But with our digital comm systems, we've actually sent technicians um, like for, to Washington just to deal with digital comm over a large system that was uh, going out over the internet and then had somebody else uh, out in California for a very large, diverse uh, <coughs> virtual event. And uh, they, the, the audio portion uh, for Q&A seems to be working very well. They, can, they seem to be able to integrate um, our... Uh, digital comm systems with other systems that I don't know how they work, but very well. So I think it's one of the things we've learned out of this is how to do that much better. Yeah. <coughs> so now we will go to our final poll. So what is your favorite holiday drink? So again, just scroll down a little bit. The poll is right under where you're seeing us right now. Um, and we've had an anonymous question that, um, that links to this. What's a good bourbon for my back porch? Good. It's the one they're bringing me. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So we, we have some uh, bourbons here. Yeah, we did not rehearse this part, yeah, so we have totally non-rehearsed. <laughs> uh, and I think one of the reasons this came up is when we were rehearsing, uh, I was asked what my favorite holiday drink was, and I said my favorite holiday drink is pretty much the same as my non-holiday drink which is a quality bourbon, and quality, by the way, does not have to be pricey. Good old Jack Daniels is not bad. I'll give him a plug. Uh, but a, a good bourbon or a good scotch, uh, if it's at the right time of day with a good cigar is even better. But most importantly is one that's uh, shared with good friends uh, and good compatriots. So that's me 12 months a year. Yeah. Uh, I will eat eggnog, drink eggnog, which is like eating uh, once a year. So choked you up on I that. know, just a little bit. Um, all right, so our fabulous crew has supplied us with four bourbons um, for us to try. So A lot of pressure. I know, right? That's why I got uh, being put on the spot. So I've got, I've got two specific questions, but I'll let you try them by, all first. By the way, the only really bad bourbon is no bourbon uh, when you need some. So. <laughs> All right. And um, y'all tell us in the poll, what is your favorite holiday drink? Um, when we were talking earlier, I was saying that um, that mine is peppermint mocha, but I drink it all year long. So it doesn't matter if it's holiday time. Like I'm the girl at Starbucks that will order a peppermint mocha in July. Like that's me. <laughs> um, I can't really say I have a special um, alcoholic holiday drink. That's not that's not a thing. So where are you? Just any alcohol is good with you on holiday? Yes, or? exactly. <laughs> I've tried one and two. Okay. <laughs> any Since thoughts I have so no far? idea. Um, I know. But two was smoother than one, but one had more flavor to me so far. So. Interesting. I feel like I'm the amateur here, though, too. Like, I don't know. <laughs> like, they all taste like alcohol. <laughs> 
<laughs> Some of the people watching me uh, drink very expensive booze. I, I don't, uh, unless somebody else wants to buy it for me, in which case I'm more than happy uh, uh, to. <laughs> uh, I will say on the um, cheap liquor, it has to cost more than $15 or it's going to be terrible. Well, I th- okay, Do you ever drink bourbon? I do, but not like in this form. Yeah, not like where I have to like um, talk about how it tastes and things like that. <laughs> like, I I already feel more giggly now. <laughs> so here we are, everyone. Well, having yeah. peach iced tea in between um, boozes is probably not the best way to cleanse one. Oh, uh, that's true. Um, All right. Um, do we want to go to our poll? Oh, the questions. We've got questions. Yes. Um, so which one do you think is the most expensive? Man, four in a row really quick. Um, yeah. I'm gonna, I actually think number four. I, I think so. Four, four tasted the best to me. So It had flavor and was smooth. Yeah. And then um, which is your favorite, which I think I just answered. I'm going to go with four again. As weird as this is, I liked number one. Mm-hmm. It had a lot of flavor, but it was a bit on the, um, to me, it was a slightly harsh but had a lot of flavor. Um, two and four seemed to be smoother. Mm. And three was good. None of them were terrible. So uh, I don't think there was any, uh, well, uh, bottles that have old uh, birds on them, ravens on them, uh, <laughs> or anything in these glasses. <laughs> I didn't want to name a name brand on, you know, on a public site here. But uh, I think everybody knows that if they drink bourbon, they know what I'm talking about. Right, right. Okay, so we talked about them differently. So actually, so number. There's no numbers. They're just in order. Oh, no, the bottom of the cups have numbers. Oh, there is a four down there. (laughs) Okay, so number four was Weller Special Reserve. And I am a Weller fan. Okay, good, good. And I actually, uh, and the person who served this, uh, Pat Reed, who's in the background here, he happens to know that I actually prefer Weller Special Reserve over Weller Antique, which is much more expensive. Oh. Unless you let a little ice melt in it. Right, right. I find the antique a little bit, might take chrome off a bumper hitch. Oh, no. Oh, no. <laughs> I don't think that's how I would want my bourbon um, With a cube described. of ice. With a cube of ice, the antique <laughs> then it's good. a lot of flavor. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> All right. So, number three is Black Ridge Special Reserve Port Barrel. Do any of those words mean anything to you? Well, Port Barrel does. <laughs> not one I'm familiar with. Okay. That was the, the second one I said that had a lot of flavor, but I didn't find it quite as smooth as number four. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And then number two, Evan Williams. That's a good straight-ahead uh, bourbon um, to uh, have. Not expensive, um, but to me is like a Jack Daniels type, you know, really well-made bourbon. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And then any guesses on the number one um, based on the other? Well, I said it was most flavorful, so I, I really don't. Was it, was it Blanton's? It's Blanton's, yeah. I, again, um, I know the person serving us, that's one of their favorites. Yeah. It's the most flavorful of the four. Yeah. But I actually found uh, number four to be slightly smoother, which the Blanton guys would probably beat me up for. I know. If you're watching, don't. Oh. Okay. <laughs> so um, our... Um, p- thank you all for um, 
giving us all your answers in the polls and chatting with us in the did chat. Did we get to see today. what any of their favorite drinks were, or did we skip that? We totally, well, I saw it for well, a second. Yeah, it was up there for a moment, and then um, now it's now it's not. Um, but I'm not sure. Well, never go backwards. So. Yeah. <laughs> Oh, here we oh, go. go. Here we go. Um, so your favorite holiday drink, Blanton's, lots and lots of Blanton's, eggnog and brandy, uh, the one in my hand, <laughs> anything over 5%, percent. <laughs> uh, pumpkin spice Baileys, Irish coffee. I'm going to think that's um, single malt. Down below. Looks like it. Yeah. And I will say uh, during the winter, uh, Irish coffee is a really good uh, drink when you're sitting outside and it's really cold. Uh, we do lots of fires at the farm. We mm -hmm. solve a lot of the world's problems sitting around a fireplace. And um, uh, an Irish coffee is a good way to, to go sometime for me. Uh, and by the way, if you want to buy me Blanton's or any of these, I'm happy to drink them. Uh, I'm probably going to buy uh, Evan Williams and um, um, what was number four I'm drinking? Weller. Weller's. Uh, those are Special two that reason. I do uh, uh, like to buy. So... You said we have a... So, yeah, so this, this is it. We're at the end. Thank you all for your questions. So we definitely want to hear what you have uh, to say about our virtual event space. We want to know, did you like the polls? Did you like the chats? So right now there's a survey. Just scroll down a little bit one more time and let us know um, all your experiences today, how it went. We just really, really appreciate your feedback. And we want to say happy Thanksgiving. And then, Tom? Yeah, I, I want to... Say happy Thanksgiving to everybody, too. I know this Thanksgiving will be different for many, many people. Uh, no matter where you are, how small or large you're gathering, you know, I uh, just hope that uh, you and your family are blessed and are healthy. I think that's most important for everybody. Uh, we have an unusual holiday season uh, coming up, and um, I really hope that all of y'all can... Uh, holidays can be hard for a lot of folks under normal conditions, and so... Under these trying conditions, I hope everybody will take time to reach out, even if it has to be virtually or on the phone, to folks and let everybody know they're being thought about. Um, I know for uh, all the people that presented today, uh, myself, Carrie, uh, people that are out on furlough, our heart is really out there, and we really want to have the best uh, holiday season that's possible. And so we truly, from the bottom of our hearts, wish everybody a happy Thanksgiving uh, have fun out there. If you get time to come out and visit us on the farm, uh, anytime you want to call me, I'll do everything I can to make myself uh, available. Um, I want to thank everybody for taking time to mm -hmm. spend with us here on this Friday afternoon before the Thanksgiving holiday. So um, I'm going to have to change drinks because I, I, uh, I finished that and I'll go to Blanton's here. Um, so I just want to say to everybody, have the great holidays. Uh, we want to God bless you and everything you do. And thanks for being here with us. We'll see you on the next Back Porch. Mm -hmm.